Good morning, everyone. This is Liz. I just listened to my last set of podcasts and realized that they were a year ago because I started out by saying something about fall and how much I love fall. Um, And it's fall of 2020. What a year this has been. Um, Just truly unbelievable that this year has taken the turn that it did. Um, I'm sitting in a whole new home. Um, I purchased my first house. I love this neighborhood. I love my yard. I love my home. It is a work in progress as is everything in life. Um, but I have trees, like I own trees and Luke loves it. Um, It's truly something very special to me. Um, I'm going through a renovation, so that, on top of everything else that's happening in 2020, is has just been crazy. Um, So I had a day yesterday. I've had several days, as I call them, where I had a headache. My birthday was um, last week, and spent some time with friends celebrating um, Friday evening, and did not feel 100% yesterday. I I mean, I didn't drink too much, but I don't know. I just had a headache. I don't know if it was a sinus headache um, or what, or a dehydration headache. Um, I definitely had not had enough, as much water as I usually have the day before. Um, nevertheless, I didn't, I just felt kind of off. Um, so I decided to just kind of be a hermit and stay home and paint, um, a room and some drawers that I needed to do. And it was just, it was a gorgeous day outside. Um, and I did some things outside I needed to, but then I went in and, um, just decided to paint. So, I was invited, um, my boyfriend asked me to go, um, to the Duck Lodge with him and his friends and have dinner, and I just said, no, you go and have a good time, it's your best friend's birthday, y'all go have a night, um, and I started to watch a movie, and my head hurts so bad, which very, very rarely happens, but my head hurts so bad, I just didn't even, like, the light was bothering it, so I paused the movie, and like put my head under the covers on the couch and I was just like this just sucks I was so glad to actually be um on the couch just with my just with my head down and fell asleep actually it was like eight o'clock at night it was crazy um he called and said hi so that woke me up for sure I moved to my bedroom um fell back asleep and he called me again like at 10 um, just to say hi and I love you, but I went right back to sleep and I woke up this morning probably at like six and started having my thoughts, um, about things that where I am in life, what's going on, where I want to be, inspirational people that have crossed my paths again to really inspire me on the importance of getting your message out and 
So I laid in bed this morning until about seven. It's Sunday here, by the way. I guess it's Sunday everywhere. Well, maybe not. Um, but I made coffee and thought about introducing a segment called My Story. And how hard it is sometimes where we feel like we keep our story pent up and we keep our story just ourselves and we are afraid of our story or afraid of telling our story and like everyone has a story it's not always pretty but where do you get to tell your story at what point you know, you can sit around with friends and, you know, chit chat and talk and all that. But is that really, really getting down to brass tacks and getting your story, just telling your story? So I thought this morning I'd share a little bit about my story and in a nutshell kind of about how I got where I am. Um, And I don't want to like start off and have it sound funny by it all started back when I was a child, but as most things do, that's, that's where things start. Um, so yes, my, I'm going to give the very reader's digest condensed version. My mom cheated on my dad and that was very traumatic because we were raised very strict, very, um, Southern Baptist and, it was very hard on our family. Um, my dad was devastated, needless to say. So my sister had gotten married. I lived in our family home by myself. My mom went to stay with her boyfriend and my dad got his own apartment. Well, I graduated high school when I was 16 and turned 17. This was the summer that I was before I was turning 17. Um, when I found out, so my only choice was to go to work full time. Like I, I didn't have any direction in life. Didn't go to school or didn't go to college. Went straight to work full time. And that's really all I knew was just kind of taking care of myself, maintaining paycheck to paycheck. Um, a slew of boyfriends over the years, not not randoms, well, maybe a few randoms, but <laughs> mostly long-term relationships, you know, like two years here and there, and that was my life. Um, met some amazing people, met some amazing families that all shaped, you know, kind of who I am um, now. So... I fast forward, I got a random invitation to move to California and visited a crazy girlfriend of mine out there. Um, she, I think this was like 2015. Um, I stayed a long weekend and she's like, I want you to move here. What else are you doing in life? You know, you're just working, you know, you're not really in a relationship and why don't you move to LA? I'm like, what am I going to do in L.A.? She's like, I'll find you a job. Don't worry about it. We'll find you a job. Stay a little bit longer. Stay a couple more days and then go back home and think about it. So 
sure enough, she went to work just like randomly. She knew a lot of people and was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to get your work for, I'm going to get you an interview for a commercial real estate gig, um, in their office. And then you can, you know, get licensed and everything. But in the meantime, you can actually have a job and make money, you know, just doing admin stuff and blah, blah, blah. So sure enough, I had the interview while I was there. He's like, you're hired. Come back. Can you be back Thursday? This was on a Monday. I think I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You want me to turn my life around and come back, you know, on a Thursday? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, yes, sir. So I was the owner of the company. Great opportunity um, with this growing commercial real estate company. And um, I said, yes. So I went home and told my dad that I was leaving to go to California. Packed my stuff. Put some of it in storage. And... Um, drove my car out to LA um, with a U-Haul. So yeah, just crazy random. Hi, I'm leaving and going to LA. So I had a great experience in LA. Thankful I did it. Uh, Ended up not staying in commercial real estate. It just wasn't my thing. Got a great opportunity to be a flight attendant on private jets. And that was great. I really enjoyed that career. Um, I was in my mid-30s, so if I had done it a little bit earlier in life, like in my 20s, I really would have maximized on that. But um, So I did that for a few years, and that was a great opportunity. Um, met a great guy that I was actually in my longest relationship ever, three years. Woohoo! And um, loved his family, loved where I was in life. Um, I just knew that it wasn't long-term. You ever have that feeling where you just know that there's something more that you just, it's not long, long-term. Um, and I'm sitting outside on my porch, by the way, looking at the fall trees and everything. So there's a little bit of traffic here and there, even though it's only like seven thirty in the morning. Um, so I got a call that my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer And I'll never forget falling to my knees and being so... My dad was my best friend. We talked twice a day. He'd been out to California a couple of times. And he was my best friend. Um, My mission was to figure out how to save him, of course, but you can't do that. So, um, obviously, I immediately went to go see him and talk to him and figure out a strategy Um, He ended up living a year. He was diagnosed um, with a prognosis of living three to nine months. He lived a year and a half. And at the end, um, my sister and I decided we should have him move where she was living um, because she had been there the longest and it was the most central location. So we moved him there so I could be his hospice, um, basically, in the end. And so... It was around the fall when we did this. So I was his hospice for a month. In December, he passed away. My birthday's in November. He passed away in December, and his birthday is in January. So all on very significant days, the same day of the month. And I just watched him, almost like a miracle of him passing where he deteriorated and that was super hard to watch such a strong amazing man 
just fade away like that. Um, I got the best part of him though with that scenario and taking care of him and helping him be comfortable and just loving on him. Truly just loving on him in those last days. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I would not want anyone else to be in that position. Um, so he's on his, you know, last few days. And he's like, you need to move and be close to your sister. I'm like, daddy, I'm never moving here. I'm never moving here. It's not going to happen. So I'm like, we're okay. We're fine. Um, just go ahead and go be with Jesus, daddy. Just please go be with Jesus. So he passed and I fulfilled his wishes by scattering his ashes in California and giving him the memorial service with the, for the army, the bugler, the, the live music, uh, bugler came out. They, you know, folded the flag, just gave him truly the honor that he deserved among my friends and family at the time. And I knew my relationship was on the rocks. And he, in a last-ditch effort to save it, he proposed. And I said no. Well, I said yes for about a week. And then I said, no, I can't. Because I knew in my heart of hearts that that wasn't where I needed to be. And I knew it was the end. So I called my sister and I said, I'm coming. And I told my boyfriend at the time that I was going to see my sister for about a month and get my head straight and just kind of, you know, take some time. Well, I had all in all was planning to move permanently. I just didn't, I was trying to soften the blow for both of us probably because I really did. I loved him. I loved his family a lot. And uh, it was just, you know, hard to stop something after three years. Um, so I hightailed it <laughs> to move where my sister lives and um, it's a very much smaller town. I thought I was going to be the old lady alone in a big house with cats. You know, nobody, you know, slim pickings on the relationship horizon here for sure. Um, but sure enough, a month later, after moving here, I met someone that was truly, truly intriguing and fun and what I needed at the time, for sure. Um, recently divorced also. They um, didn't have children. You know, checked off a lot of big boxes. Um, great family. Um, I met him when he li actually lived in the, in like, in the mother-in-law suite, their house behind his parents' house, which happened to be on the country club. Um, so, but it was just still weird that he lived there and he's like, well, you know, my, my house is over here. My ex-wife actually still lives in my house and, you know, I'm trying to get it back. So he ended up getting his house back and, but I still met him when he was, you know, living with his parents technically. And I didn't care. It just was never a thing, but I meet the family and they're very, um, <clears throat> his brother especially is very particular about 
who I was and where I came, where I had come from, thinking that I was some actress that had moved from California that was just trying to find some rich guy here in this small town. And I'm like, seriously, A, I hate the camera. Like, B, this is why I'm doing a podcast, by the way, because I hate the camera. B, he's not rich by any means. I mean, I'm sure, you know, people are rich, you know, not necessarily monetarily, but with other things, I get that because I truly feel that way about, you know, where I am in life. But he was not rich by any means. Um, I got ridiculed because I didn't have a college degree, because I wasn't in the sorority, because I didn't have... Um, a jaw wasn't like a doctor or a lawyer or I didn't have a career, so to speak. So I got ridiculed for that and just, you know, tried to, you know, I spent my time trying to prove to this family that I was worthy enough to date their son. And it truly wore me down. Um, it wore him down. You know, he would, you know, we spent time together, grew closer, fell in love. And then he would be like, no, I don't love you. You need to leave. Oh, wait, but I do love you. Come back. Oh, wait, no, I don't love you. You need to leave. I can't do this. And I'm like, so I was just struggling over this roller coaster of emotion. And finally to the point where they broke us up permanently. And I'm like, I've had enough. I can't do this. I don't know why God is taking this person out of my life. You know, that I feel like there's, you know... A connection with, but like I'm trying to prove myself to this family and I'm tired. And so in that process of proving myself to this family, I was not watching out for relational red flags. I wasn't really looking at the things that I should have looked at, you know, on a compatibility standpoint from where this person was and how we truly connected or didn't connect, so to speak. Um... So I left and randomly, this is another whole podcast, left, started dating someone else immediately, got engaged to them for four months. Yes, I got engaged to that person. I was pretty mad at God and I was like, how could you take this person out of my life? You know, when, you know, so I ran the complete opposite direction and did something, you know, pretty crazy, pretty stupid. Not stupid because I cared about this person and we're still friends. But, I mean, seriously, moving in with someone and getting engaged right after that was not the healthiest thing to do. Nevertheless, I knew that one was not, I knew that relationship was not lifelong either. And finally, I had to give the ring back and say, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do this. I can't marry you. And he said, that's okay. I knew that we would never get married. I was just lucky for the time that I had you. And that's probably one of the nicest things that anyone's ever said to me. I was lucky enough for the time that I had you. And that has always stuck with me. And I'll never forget that person or what they meant to my life at that time. So during this whole breakup, my ex-boyfriend that had thrown me by the wayside says, you know, why are you with him? Why are you doing this? You know, of course you you want what you can't have scenario. And why are you with him? Why are you living with him? How could you get engaged? I'll still care about you. I'm like, you told you literally 
made me leave and you, you know, threw me out of your life and you chose your family over me. So, of course, when I broke up and broke off my engagement, I, the first call I made was to my ex and said, I'm no longer with this person. I'm, you know, moved into a house by myself. You know, I'm running this place, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, can I see you? And I'm like, sure. So there it, there it started again. Still the family was not supportive, was questioning who I was and why. And the mother was much more accepting. The brother and his family, not really so much. But, and just to the point of really idiocy on how he acted towards me. And what I learned and what I saw and what I can reflect on now is that, that my guy, my boyfriend at the time, never, um, never stood up for me. Never... was in my corner, never really stood up for me and protected me. He just let it all happen. And that's a huge red flag. You want the person you're with to stand up for you, to support you, to love you, to protect you. Yeah, I'm a little old-fashioned that way. I want the person that I'm with to protect me and stand up for me and support me. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a sign of weakness at all. I think you should support each other. And always have each other's back. But he didn't. And that should have been that red flag that was just still there that I just couldn't see. But all in all, his brother softened and accepted me and accepted his brother, his brother's wishes. And we ended up getting married. Had a beautiful boy two years later. And my husband traveled a lot for his job. It was common for him to have lavish dinners with clients, some of them women, businesses, you know, work, what we called his work wife. Which really, is that a thing? Like, it's a thing, I know, but I think it's just crazy. I mean, I don't know. And he would call me, you know, sometimes and be with people in situations that I didn't think were appropriate at all. With coworkers, one-on-one. You know, always made me think I was crazy for thinking anything. Made me think I was crazy for being jealous or I'm just with more, this is just work. This is just work. This is just what I have to do for work. Well, work was not just work. Work was inappropriate in my mind, that, that part of his work. I'm like, you're, you don't have to do that. You don't have to make those choices 
And again, not respecting my wishes as his wife and things that made me feel uncomfortable. I just don't think there's ever any, you know, reason to be one-on-one with someone of the opposite sex. Especially after a certain time of night. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's just part of my neuroses. Nevertheless, I started feeling awkward about things. So I went on his computer when he was out for a run one morning. I got on his computer. I was pregnant with our child in my ninth month. And so, yeah, maybe some hormones had kicked in and I was a little neurotic. But I just had a a really off feeling for a long time. And looked at his computer, his search history, you know, online. And there popped up, not without me having to hardly dig at all for anything, was a ton of porn. I don't know. Some people think, oh, porn's porn. It's no big deal. Well, it was. It is to me. And it bothers me. And it was just not only porn, but it was like, you know, a lot of girl on girl, young girl, that kind of thing. And it just was really disgusting. And I have never felt so sick to my stomach. So there I was feeling the largest I'd ever felt in my life, pregnant with our son. And he walks back in and I was, I'm like, you disgust me. How can you not want to be with me not want to be intimate with me, not kiss me, but you want to look at porn. I'm like, you need to leave the house because I'm so disgusted. So I made him leave. He came back, apologized emphatically, said he was sorry said he, you know, had a little bit of a problem with porn in the past and it kind of reared its ugly head again. He admitted to me that while he was married to his ex-wife, when he would travel to China, that he got hand jobs. He would go get Asian massage and it was not uncommon for him to get hand jobs. I'm like, well, you go to China now. He goes, yes, I would never do that to you. Yes, I've never done that when we've been married. I've never done that while we've been married. Okay, sure. Red flag. Um, that was the first seed that was planted that was just like, really? I'm, he's like, that's not cheating, though. That's not cheating. Well, yeah, getting a hand job from somebody else, even if you don't know them, while you're married? I mean, that's just, yes, that's cheating. Well, he didn't see it that way. Thought I was making a big deal about it. Promised me that he'd never done it with us. But, of course, we all know that I didn't believe that. So... We had a beautiful, beautiful baby boy, and I forgave him and trusted him, tried to trust again, while still 
he was doing traveling, going to dinners. You know, he would send me pictures of these amazing meals that he was having and great bottles of wine and these great locations. And, you know, I'm, I'm home raising a baby that was, you know, actually a sick baby. Um, he ended up having to have surgery at three months old. So I was trying to stay home and breastfeed and raise the baby by myself, basically while he was traveling three or four days a week. And ended up um, in a very loveless marriage. There was no intimacy. I would beg for my husband to kiss me. And, you know, just touch me, hold my hand, hug me, make love to me. And there were points where I just felt like, like I was just a depository. Like when we did have sex, it was very short, loveless. Very, uh, mechanical, very, um, sorry, waving at the neighbors, I'm crying, wow, I'm sure she thinks I'm crazy, um, just very loveless. And I told him, I said, if I don't get my needs met, I know myself. I'm going to shut down. I absolutely know myself. I will shut down and I can't get back from that. I tried to be a little bit more sexy. Do You know, you know, kind of. I definitely worked out. I kept myself up. I was in good shape. I'm not ugly. I mean, who's to say what is ugly? But he would, even though I kept myself up, he would be like, oh, maybe you should go to the gym some more. I mean, like, seriously? That's what I get? I was a stay-at-home mom. Very happy and thankful and blessed to be able to do that. I had a nonprofit that I started because I just don't know not working. I've worked all my life, so I don't know not working. Even though I wasn't going to get a paycheck, I just didn't know not working. So I started a nonprofit for children's health and wellness. And I was really proud of how I built from the ground up. Started an annual event every year to gain credibility in the community. I just felt like I'd laid the groundwork for this, you know, really amazing concept to help children in this region. Um be more healthy. I had a summer camp, like my, my annual event helped fund my summer camp. Um, you know, and I had, I had big aspirations of what I wanted to do with it. He constantly made fun of me. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you, why do you have this nonprofit? What's the point? What are you trying to do? You don't make any money with your nonprofit. Aren't you supposed to be able to make money even though you have a nonprofit? Well, that's not the point. We don't need to make, I don't need to make money. But at some point, you know, 
yes, if I continue, I'll, you know, have a position and be able to have a salary. But it never got to that point. The lack of support and the belittling just got to me. And so I just really, it wore me out and wore me down. And I let my nonprofit go by the wayside. I let our intimacy go by the wayside. I tried, like I said, to keep things fresh and fun. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you acting like that? I'm like, I'm trying to be, you know, like flirty with you and cute and sexy and all that. And well, that's just weird. Well, no, it's not weird. So fast forward over the last, you know, over the next three years or so of that being my life and me choosing, like, I literally thought to myself, this is my life now. I'm just going to be the stay-at-home mom that raises our child, which I was very grateful and I still am very grateful to do. But my needs don't matter and that's, you know, that's fine. It's not about me anymore. And this is going to be my life. Not getting, you know, not in a, just with zero intimacy and this person that I'm basically a roommate with. And again, I've started really feeling off and like things were wrong. So I went onto his Facebook. Social media is the devil. I go onto his Facebook. I log in. And sure enough, there she was. Apparently someone he had been in a relationship for six months with in another city that he had taken out on a date, quote unquote, but still been communicating with and talking to whatever you want to call it, emotional relationship. I don't know. I'll never know the extent of it, but I confronted him about it. And of course he was like, who? And I said, don't act like you don't know who. This is, look, it's on your phone. Look, it's on your phone. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Who's that? I'm like, there's messages. So that started to unravel slowly and I questioned more. And he admitted more and said that he had taken her on it. He had met her on a trip and taken, you know, her on a date. Because his office happened to be in the same city that she lived in. He had an office there. They had things in common. And I was devastated. Um, I, I was devastated. He swore nothing ever happened. Like physically. But for having, you know, been going on a date and hanging out with someone to whatever extent and having a relationship for six months over the phone or otherwise, or who knows to what extent I'll never know, but it's still completely inappropriate with your family when you have a family at home. So he swore that he would cut it off, swore that it was nothing, made me feel like I was crazy again for thinking the wrong thing. It was nothing. I'm sorry. And I was like devastated, like get out of my house leave my house 
it brought him to his knees, to tears on the floor, sobbing. Please forgive me. I have text upon text begging him to forgive me, get our marriage back. I suggested counseling. He got defensive and said, we don't need counseling. I went anyway. He begged me not to go. Well, we're fine. We don't need counseling. We can do this together. We can strengthen our marriage together. I'll be what you need me to be. And that never happened. Finally, at the first of the year, two years ago now, I asked him to go to counseling again because it was I was not fulfilled. I was becoming someone that I wasn't, that I didn't know. Just a shell of a person. And that was not good for my son. I didn't have any peace. I was short. I was not happy. And I know you can't find some happiness in someone else, but it was to the point where the way I was being treated was just taking away my joy. Um, you know, when they say you're in an airplane and they say you have to put your own mask on before you can help someone with theirs. Well, this is true. I wanted to be my best self for my son and I was not. I wanted to be my best self for my husband, but he wouldn't let me. He didn't accept, he didn't love me back like that. So I went to counseling one more time, asked him to go. He agreed to go. The person we went to was just very old and not what we needed for us. Just not a good fit. We both agreed. So I found someone else and he again tried to say, no, 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 I don't want to go. And I'm like, well, I'm going anyway. I have to find some sanity. I have to find some, some clarity about how to move forward with my life and try and find myself again and figure out, you know, how to navigate this this crazy thing that I'm having to deal with, with not with what happened with you and where our marriage is. And unfortunately, the years of saying, please give me what I need. Please give me what I need. If I don't, I'll, I mean, if you don't, I'll shut down. I shut down. Counseling wasn't going to help. I, I just literally shut down that part of me that could try to love him anymore. There was no love. I didn't miss him. Once I admitted to myself that I didn't miss him when he left for trips, I used to breathe a breath of fresh air when I closed the door and he was gone. I used to get neurotic to clean the house just right, to make sure everything was just perfect for him when he got home and there was stress when he came home, just this air of tension and like nothing was ever good enough. And so 
I begged him one more time to go to counseling with me. And he's like, okay. So he called me one day and he says, hey, we need to meet before we go to our counseling appointment. There's just some things I want to talk to you about. So there's no surprises. I'm like, what? No surprises. Well, what surprises would there be? So he wanted to meet me at a restaurant. And I'm like, no, let's meet at the house. So he walks in. He sits down and he goes, I just want to tell you, you know, refresh you a little bit about how she and how his, the girl, the other girl, how they met. And he goes into this long story, very deep, you know, he gave me some new details, nothing, just, just random details, nothing crazy until he said, well, the first time I took her out on a date, blah, blah, blah. I'm like the first time, wait a minute. You said you only took her out on one date. And he was like, well, uh, uh, well, uh, and I'm like, that's it. I've heard enough. I was done with the lies. I was done with made being made to feel crazy for feeling a certain way. I was done not being treated like I deserved. I was done. I was done. And I'm like, you have sworn to me that this is all it was. Well, I promise you, we never had sex. We never, I'm like, you're just telling me now that, I mean, and I don't even know if this was his big revelation that he didn't want there to be any surprises. Like, I just shut off. Like, I don't even know what else was about to unfold. I don't even know what else he was about to tell me, but that was enough. I was just done with the lies. So many lies, lies upon top of lies upon top of lies and not, you know, begging for someone to love you or to be intimate with you when they're off with someone else, taking them on the dates that you want to go on. And of course, we all know if something like that exists, it's probably sexual. But at the end of the day, even if it wasn't sexual, I was done. So I filed for divorce. It was the hardest thing I ever did. I knew that I would leave our home that I had created. I would leave my child for 50% of the time. And that was absolutely the most devastating thing I had to do. Knowing that I was going to give him up 50% of the time. But I knew that if I had peace in my life, that that 50% that I would have him, I would be a better person. And he would experience that peace too with me. And he would see the brightness and the joy in his mom. And we would be okay. I really don't think he ever thought I would go through with it. In the middle of filing, I had someone that was pursuing me. And I started my own friendship. I was so hungry and thirsty for attention. Um, Unfortunately, it was just, I feel like I'd been so alone and lonely for so long that I, I fell in to that. And 
just loved the fact that someone wanted to, was interested in me and made me feel that way again. And of course he found out about it. My husband, soon to be ex-husband, and now blames everything on me because I had this relationship at the end when I was filing. And I can admit that. Did I do anything wrong? No. But now my ex-husband denies everything with this woman. He's threatened to take me to court over and over and over again. And when we were in the middle of our divorce, just wanted to ruin me. And I was at the point where I didn't even want to go to court. I just left everything on the table and I was like, I'm done. I don't want to go to court. I will settle for whatever you want, for whatever little amount that you're going to give me. I'll be done. I just want to be done. I was so tired. And he wanted to drag everything out and make it as painful on me as possible. And that was just not okay for our child. That was not okay for me. And I was slowly but surely gaining my strength back and my voice. And I was slowly but surely starting to know my worth again. I moved. I found a home to live in. And... left and found my dignity and my joy and my alone time and self-love. Everything that had fallen by the wayside, I found again. Never in a million years would I have thought that I would end up divorced or a single mom. But that is my story. And I'm slowly but surely picking up the pieces. And I have so much to be thankful for. I lived, I rented a, uh, I rented a house for a year that was just a godsend. And this year knew that Luke needed a big yard and, you know, a home, home and a safe place to play. And I found that. I'm so thankful. I, I'm so grateful. God just put this in my lap and I'm so grateful it's not anything glorious but it's ours and it's peaceful and it is a haven and it has joy so early this morning I encourage you after I have been telling my story for the past 47 minutes what's your story Do you have joy? What brings you peace and happiness? Do you have self-love? Do you know your worth? What is your story? My name is Liz Alstein, and this is my story.